welcome back to Those Art Teachers. I'm one of your hosts, Corby, and today's episode is going to be focusing on what it's like to teach internationally, more specifically teach art internationally. I'm going to be sharing an interview that I was lucky enough to do with the artist and art educator Kat Ramsey. Kat describes herself as an all-around artist, maker of things, and creative problem solver. She is self-employed worldwide. She is a freelance artist. She is an art educator. She is a teacher. She works on her own art and sells through commissions across all mediums. Some of those mediums include, but are not limited to, ceramics, metalsmithing, textiles, various forms of painting, and so many more. Kat's teaching experience varies. She has taught workshops in public schools, um, camp settings, and she says that she's basically been teaching ever since she's joined scouts or clubs as a kid because it was a part of the program. So she really has been teaching art and also other uh, subject areas for a very long time. Kat taught textiles at an international middle school in Sweden. You'll get to hear more about that experience of Catherine teaching textiles in Sweden, her process to teach internationally, and some recommendations or things she wouldn't recommend if you are considering teaching abroad. We also get into some of the ins and outs of schools in Sweden compared to in the States. And of course, we get into some personal art making and Kat shares some tips for balancing being a maker while she is still teaching. So let's jump into it. Hey, Kat, welcome officially to Those Art Teachers. Thanks for having me. Of course, super excited to have you. All right, so you taught in Sweden. How long did you teach in Sweden for? Yeah, I was a long-term substitute contract, which means I was in the classroom for one year, and it pretty much was like coming in as a new teacher, so there was no curriculum, no structure, no anything, but I was teaching in English, so it took about half the problem out. <laughs> the, yeah. Yeah. And Sweden schools tend to be fairly close to what American schools uh, I've taught in are. So it was, I was used to the structure and like the, the day to day, um, like transfer of kids. So I was teaching the equivalent of middle school. Um, and then the, so the kids would like come to class and not, you don't just have a homeroom. They're all in the hallways passing. Okay. That's similar to like how my middle school Mm -hmm. works too. So wait, the school that you were at, you said it was international. So everybody spoke English. Yes. Half their classes were in English and half their classes were in Swedish. So it's stuff like I was teaching specifically textile art. So their lessons were in English, whereas their literature class is going to be in Swedish because it's more of their mother tongue. Okay. What? I don't even know if you can answer this specifically, but like, is there like a certain population that went to this school or like, what was that like? Like certain types of families since it is international school or was it kind of just hodgepodge it's a little hodgepodge it's a private public school so it was privately organized but it's publicly funded and they're kind of a little bit in both worlds as far as that's concerned so they get public money so there's not like uh, huge grants for like an amazing classroom you still face the day-to-day of 
most teachers where there's no money for that. So figure it out. <laughs> yep. The good old usual in the arts programs yeah. anyways. Too many kids, okay. not enough stuff. But they really did yeah. their best and we made it work. It was a lot of fun. How how many kids on average did you have? Like, what was your class size usually? Um, we got really lucky and they had tried a new organization of splitting the classes. So half the kids would come to me and half the kids would go to Woodcraft for their lesson and then with at semester they switched so they got the other half of their first class and the each class was 30 32 kids so I would have 15 or 16 at a time for a lesson which isn't bad it was actually really nice but when you only have as many sewing machines as 15 then it's like well thank gosh we only have we only have 15 kids because we only have you know 12 15 machines gotta make that part work too yeah and I was gonna say it's not like you're making it sound like and it is like that's really nice and a good class size but like I've never taught sewing myself and I know how to sew barely like get by (laughs) but like that is a big like safety hazard like there's lots of things involved even with 15 kids like that's a lot of maintenance it's a lot of that itself maintenance so you have to be very on point and that's just me with sewing I can't imagine being the woodcrafts teacher teaching them how to use knives and saws (laughs) yeah that makes me so nervous like that's so out of my comfort zone Uh, but um yeah so 15 was still big but not unreasonable but I think that just goes to show like what we get used to like we're thankful for a class of 15, which is still large, but we're, that's because we've been having to deal with classes of 30. Yeah. I'll, so. gosh, I can't even imagine doing, having <laughs> 30 I kids in a classroom in with fall, sewing. Just in the States, I was doing more substituting when I came back for a bit and those classes were sizes of 30. Did you have a sewing machine for each No. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of hand sewing. Yeah, I was going to ask her, you're, like, doing some hand sewing mm-hmm. and then, like, groups on the sewing machine and, yeah. like, rotating. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, I was like, we could just sidebar into just, like, teaching textiles, but I'm going to go back to Sweden. Yeah. So, okay, so what inspired you to teach in Sweden? Because you've taught, like you mentioned, and I gave you, like, tried to summarize it in your intro, <laughs> um, prior to this interview, like, you have so much eclectic uh, education, mm-hmm. teaching background in general. So like why, why Sweden? Mm. Why textiles? <laughs> textiles has always kind of been the one thing I go back to. So it really kind of fell in my lap when I was looking at putting my CV online for international availability to just hit, emphasize like, okay, well, this is something I have lots of background in. And then the school found my application and then they offered me the job because they were looking for someone specifically with textiles background to teach. Oh, okay. And, so you and as like... a substitute. So it was kind of like one of those okay. very rare instances that like, oh, look, the algorithm works. This job requirement has substitute teacher, textiles, art, like all these weird yeah. things. So so you weren't specifically headhunting Sweden, but could you talk more to to like you said you uploaded it or well I, I they did were kind of look you. at Sweden because I have lots of friends there from traveling so I have oh, okay. a network over there from just my always going places and doing things and I've been to Sweden a few times before I decided to like 
put my job application out there. So there's different online databases that you can upload your applications uh, or CV to. And that's where I found. So like the school that I ended up working was um, IES and they have all of theirs in a specific database. So I just kind of threw it up in there and let it, let it kind of, I can't remember what website it was though, that I had uploaded. Cause there was a few where it was just like, these are a pool of international job availabilities. And then you can like, up, it's kind of like LinkedIn, but smaller. And international mm-hmm. or specifically international. Yeah, specifically okay. international. That's interesting. Cause I've never, I've never looked into that besides like hypothetical quick like <laughs> teaching English abroad just to see what it was like. And I know it's usually through like a specific organization or school, mm-hmm. but this sounds like it's super super broad yeah it's it really is just that like if you go to google and type in jobs like english speaking jobs in Mm -hmm. (laughs) you'll kind of find the websites for those countries and since i was specifically looking for sweden i just went for that one in the education system so gotcha Okay, so on on that topic too, could you explain? I mean, you've you've talked about like you uploaded your mm-hmm. license to this database or this website, or not your license, your CV yeah. and resume. Um, but is there anything else in regards to the process of teaching internationally that like you need requirement wise, or just like what it looks like in being able to go overseas or anything mm. like that? That is very circumstantial because it's going to depend on the school, what you're teaching and like where. So sometimes like if you get a job teaching internationally, but it's on an American army base, it's just the American requirements. But like, I'm not Swedish certified and as an educator. So if I take a contract and then a Swede wants that job, I get, ask to back out like they get to take that job and I know that's kind of the same in other countries where like you have to be from that country to take that job so it's not like you can't get the job and mine was specifically for a one year so even if they hired somebody the replacements contract would start at the end of my contract so it would have started for the next school year and that's what ended up happening is they found a full-time teacher. So they ended up getting the job contract for the next year. Okay. So you had to have like a, a visa. Mm-hmm. The, but that's your... the other thing that goes with it is that the school, when they applied or when they gave me the job, they have to apply for my visa. So like oh, okay. I didn't go to the consulate and apply for the visa. They have lawyers on their end that apply and I had to sign over, um, what do you call it? Power of attorney. Oh, okay. Yeah. To my company. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that's very different than a, like applying for an out of state license or mm-hmm. a regular license here in the States. Yeah. Yeah. And you, so you said too, that you were on an emergency license in Sweden. Is that correct? Like that let you qualify for teaching? How did that yeah, work? I was on an emergency, make- uh, like a long term, because they needed someone, but they knew it was just for one. But I also have classroom experience. So right. that's yeah. where they kind of were like, they get to hire who they want because it's a private school. 
Oh, gotcha. Yeah, because that's going to be my next question of, like, I actually recommended people to get their emergency license mm-hmm. here in the States, like, just as a backup plan. Absolutely. Uh, because it, it will come in clutch for situations here, but it sounds like it worked out for you as well. But, I yeah, I wasn't sure, like, if you had to deal with, like, looking for certain licenses or anything like that to be able to be validated over there, but that one was solid enough yeah, for your situation. Yeah, I think in the future, if I went back to teaching full-time, that there would be, like, oh, okay, so we need you to, like, take this test or prove this license or and, and moving into Sweden, heading back, because I'm headed back tomorrow just to spend the summer, and then... Um, I can't look for jobs while I'm on a visitor's visa, but I am just going to, you know, obviously kind of like look around. <laughs> yeah. I was curious. I was like, you're, you're visiting, but like you're able to just not officially look for yeah, jobs I or cannot, like headhunt yeah. jobs. Well, no. Yeah. I can't look for jobs at all. That's a big no, no for b- visa reasons. But you know, as long as I don't work, then I'll be fine, which thank goodness it's summer. So <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you're leaving yeah we'll get into that earlier leaving tomorrow for sweden (laughs) for the summer and are you like truly just visiting like what are your plans making art i you know you have people there that community that you built yeah visiting and catching up with community and then uh helping just like uh different friends with their activities so i have friends in equestrian communities for riding horses and stuff that i like doing And then uh, another friend's getting a studio. So we're going to go set that up and just spend a lot of time making stuff and hanging out and barbecuing and (laughs) have like a summer vacation for a change. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) How? Okay. So because you knew people you said before you or like when you were applying. Yes. Yeah. And the whole process, you already had people that you knew there. How did you know them? Um, Through just clubs. No. Yeah. Some of them are. Through a lot of the clubs, I do a lot of, uh, like, historical reenactors as a big community, especially when you travel um, in Europe and Scandinavia. So I met people through that and friends that uh, work at the museums there in Stockholm and uh, Inland. So kind of knowing those people and then they were like, oh, but this stuff, I think they were the ones that told me, like, hey, check this out. One friend in particular did tell me about the position I ended up getting. So I kind of, like, knew where to put myself out to (laughs) because of them. But that was more just, like, when I had gone before, we would go camping for the weekend or go uh, just, like, out to the the big island in in the Baltic and hang out. and Yeah, just international travel. And I don't know. What do you end up doing on vacation? (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, I usually, like... When people say, like, they're going on a vacation, I usually end up making art. And then yeah. it, I mean, it still feels like a vacation, but it's not like a typical person's vacation. I know. I think like, that's what happens. That's what I end up doing is working on stuff. And Yeah. And then I wondered, too, because you work on so many different types of art and so mm-hmm. you have so many passions and interests. I'm like, wait, you're going international. How do you even, like, how do you even manage packing all of that stuff? Or do you just wait and buy it there, like... Or do you have to stay organized and be like, oh, I'm only going to dedicate some of this time in Sweden to, like, painting or, like, I'm going to only work on this? Or do you just go rogue? Like, how do you do that? (laughs) I've tried all of it, actually. The big one... What's the secret? Yeah, secret? (laughs) Yeah. Secret is pick something so you can market it. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, this understood because it's hard to pack and it's hard to market. <laughs> That's me in a nutshell. It's like, oh, I can do that. Let's try it out. No, I love the experience of things, and I think that's why I can't just pick one. But uh, traveling, definitely painting travels really well. Photography, obviously, is, like, in your pocket these days. And yeah. So it's easy to take pretty good photos and inspiration pictures and then travel with a little plein air set for painting. And then... Um, this time I'm taking some metal tools because I got a friend who's teaching a repose class here next week and so i'm gonna go hang out and do that and so i have like my basic tools like very 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 basic like i want my own hammer and punches so those are in my suitcase (laughs) that's so cool i'm like i don't even that's completely like out of my range (laughs) i don't know all the tools that you need for that and what is the class what's it it so it's making 3d pictures in metal oh that's really neat yeah so i'm pretty excited and then, because I've done it before, but it's always good to freshen up and learn some more. So I've got those That's tools so cool. and some like uh, painting and drawing stuff, new sketchbook, just just real basic stuff. It's a little different this time since I am working on moving back permanently, so I have like more clothes and stuff than I would usually travel with. When you say moving back permanently, yeah. you mean Sweden? Yeah. <laughs> It's a, like, okay, because I remember you mentioned that when we talked last, mm-hmm. and it was, like, a hypothetical, but it seemed like it was a pretty big goal, so it is official, like, you want to stay, stay. Yeah, I want to stay, stay. So I think I've got some friends down south where I might be able to get a teaching job, but I'm going to, they're on break here soon, so I don't know. Like I said, I can't look while I'm there on vacation, but maybe in real. <laughs> Yeah. So I can't get a job while I'm on vacation. It really just comes like I can't get offers or anything. They're pretty specific. That's the big thing is if you're going to do the whole expat or like just play by the rules, it's not worth it. You have to know what they accept and what they don't. And everybody's a little bit different. I was going to ask you later if you have a preference of teaching in the States versus Sweden, but I. Is that question null now because you're moving to Sweden? No, I, you know, it's, I don't, I don't know because I only taught in the one school or the one style of school. So, in Sweden. yeah. And I think I'd like to teach in other schools because I, I like the culture better in Sweden. For me, it fits better. It's a little bit slower and a little bit more, uh, they have a thing with Lagom, like just enough. Like everything's just like, it's okay. Just enough. Take it easy. <laughs> so. That's nice. Yeah, it's nice. That doesn't, yeah, that doesn't resonate here. No, it doesn't much. <laughs> Do more. Work harder. Yeah. Be better. Yes. Yeah. And they have a really big focus on traditional craft, which I love so much. I think there's a lot of what we would consider, you know, art with a capital A that really is just, not just, but is, is a craft that is meant to be used every day. And those beautiful objects that you want, you know, like wood carved spoons and handwoven tapestries and thrown ceramics and stuff like that. There are crafts that there's an actual like uh, national recognized trade of. So you can become a, a Swedish certified master craftsman. That sounds like a fantasy world. <laughs> <laughs> like what a world. Yeah. I was, it, it took me a minute to like really get settled in over there. But once I did, I was like, Oh yeah. 
Yeah, I don't want to leave. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so do you think when you are allowed to look for jobs, do you think you will specify in textiles again? Or will you keep it kind of open and see what things bring? Or I guess, are you looking for anything in particular? Yeah, no, I think every time I look for something, you, you, when you look, you don't find it. You know, it's, it's really that way. Uh, I yeah. think textiles, because I have done it in Sweden, that it'll be easier to get a job teaching because they do that they specify so like even from junior school like when they're 10 12 13 years old there's textile class and there's woodcraft class and art class they're all different things Mm. so they learn about color theory from their art teacher and they learn about you know woodcraft and tools from their woodcraft teacher that's so neat Mm. so are the stand like are the standards like in your experience for textiles or like with the the wood class is it more than on the craft and the skill based versus like concept at that age or is it kind of both at that age still at that age it's a little bit of both it's really like okay you can be safe with the tools but this is how we're going to apply it so like the sixth graders were making like hand carving like butter knives and spoons and in textiles they i had them we were a little bit remedial cuz they had had hadn't had as good a teacher the year before i mean some of these kids were using scissors upside down kind of thing that's yeah that's like kindergarten yeah (laughs) so we started over on a lot of things yeah like this is a ruler you measure from the they're like do you measure from the one or the zero and i'm just like okay (laughs) yep yep honey Neither. Throw it away. We're done. No, just kidding. Just go with over it. it. Just, just like, yeah. just like feel it out, man. You know. Just yeah. <laughs> so we did a lot of actual. Um, they're starving. I've noticed kids are starving for tactile responses. So we did a lot of needle felting, a lot of actual building of things, uh, stuffed animals, making things that functioned that you would use like buttons and zippers and. So it was a little different way to have to think about it, but I don't think it's just Sweden. It's everywhere. Like the kids here too, I've noticed. I've had a jar of sand on my desk to like stick like knitting needles and stuff in so they stand up, but the kids would take them out and just like squish the sand with their hands just to feel what it, they're like, can we, can we see what happens when this, I was just like, okay, <laughs> yeah, go for it. Make sure it stays in right. the jar, please. Like. Don't make a mess, but that ended up being what the the function of the class was, was to just experience artifacts. Like, this is fabric. This is what, like, just play with it. We had a whole day where we just played dress up with pieces of fabric because they'd never, like, put turbans on their head or, like, Superman capes or, like, it was just incredible. Yeah, like that form of play Uh that I do think is very much lacking. Yeah. And I don't know why. I don't know. There's a lot of kit focus. Like, they, they, there's even shopping in the catalogs, like for art supplies. It's like you can buy a kit for a lunch bag or a wallet and it's already cut out and you just have to follow the holes. So it's like you get a cooler thing but there's no patience to learn the process. Yeah, it is like product based versus the appreciation yeah. of 
everything that goes into that process. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And the kids, I have so many new questions now. <laughs> the kids that you're mentioning about the sand yeah. that you're playing with at your desk, eh, you're in a middle school right now currently uh-huh. in the States. Yeah? Yes. Six through eight? Uh, yes. And also, is it spe- it's a spe- specifically textile as well, of course, uh, currently? Or? This is facts. So it was, um, I was doing... Uh, like introduction to fashion accessories and design or fashion architecture and design. There was a sewing class I was teaching. There was a two cooking classes I was teaching. There's a homeroom class with just like how to be a human. It was, it was like yeah. everything. <laughs> so it was a very That's pretty much different. Yeah. This, this time around was not just specifically sewing and textiles, but the, the class that did that the most is like the sewing kids. Cause Okay. In the in the cooking class, we were in the in the kitchen. But, gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. It's weird. Or the other thing they liked to squish was the stuffing for the animals. They would just sit there and squeeze it, and then like pull the fluff apart. Yeah, that sounds so nice. Like that, the visual of that, I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be <laughs> great. Yeah, that's cool. We have a specifically home ec teacher who does the sewing at our school mm. for like the. It's like with the CTE credits so she does go over some sewing things so I don't get to indulge in any of that but I'm jealous because I, I was gonna I say you're a enjoy. textiles person yeah I would really enjoy doing that and then I'm like selfishly wanting to know I'm sure that they have either in high school or middle school do they offer like just a weaving course like is that a thing in Sweden uh, like in textiles do they get that specific I don't know about not in not in junior school uh so school in Sweden runs like you have like the print preschool and then you have uh starting in fourth grade but that would be our third graders so they are they go to school one year later than us so the ages are one year older for the grade so we i was teaching fourth through sixth but they were like fifth through seventh okay for the age range that we're used to but um so that is one school, and then they have seven, eight, nine in senior school, and then they go to something called gymnasium. So it's like it's like junior college meets high school. So they get to focus on something. So if you're interested in textiles, you'll go to like a like a home craft high school, and you'll have oh. more specific classes in textiles, but you still have to pass geography. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, that's fine. yeah. That's why I made it through college. Take the one, the one math class exactly. that I need to, and focus on art, and exactly. works out. Okay, and so the structure, yeah, it's, I mean, grouped similarly but different. Yeah, and then the focus areas are different. Yeah, that's something else I was curious about too. Is if you noticed any standout features about the school system in Sweden mm. compared to the states that you liked. Better, I like or maybe dislike no I like their structure I think starting that year later but they're also really good about providing parental support so kids start that school year one year later but when kids are born their parents are given up to a year's paid maternity leave and wow paternity leave so both parents are home and active in the home 
or with the child, not necessarily always together, but you know, they both get time. And like, if your job gets a phone call, like, Hey, your kid was terrible today. You need to come have a meeting with your teacher. Then work is by law. They have to let you go. Like you have to go deal with your kid. So, I mean, there's always exceptions and there's problems with some parents getting like getting away from work, but by law they're required or allowed to have that time. Yeah, so that's very different because I think that was the biggest complaint at my last school is if something happens and then a parent's upset because it's like, well, why am I getting a call during work? And then it's such an extra thing of managing all my Mm -hmm. my second shifts coming up and I can't rearrange this and like you're causing me more of a hassle because it is more work to take care of that thing than actually be able to help show up and support the child, at least from my specific school and situation. Nope, it's pretty common. (laughs) But yeah, I was like, I feel like that's going to address a lot of teachers and how they feel yeah with our system here Mm -hmm. there's a lot more parent support in general i think from on that side from the academics and also by having the school like the junior school and then having that higher expectation for senior school and then gymnasium is like you don't technically have to go but like no one doesn't go like everybody goes to a gymnasium or trade school. And so, like, but by letting them, speci- like, like specify, like, I am, I'm interested in becoming a mechanic. Okay, cool. You go to a mechanic gymnasium and you learn how to fix whatever it is that you want to fix. And when you graduate, you get to go straight into the workforce and you, or you can go to university and continue your, you know, academic education. But yeah, they're encouraged to really kind of be passionate and follow that. So there's actually some sort of like, not midlife crisis, but like people finish, but like people finish their first career. I mean, if you go into work at 20, 23, you're going to work. You're not just like finishing college and not sure what you want to do or anything. Like you're going to work at 22 years old. In and your then field. with all that ex- yeah, and in your field and with all that experience exactly. behind you so that you're prepared, not like I feel like, I mean, at least for art, I did feel like, I mean, you're really training. It is more like that craft situation mm-hmm. of like you're really developing and honing that skill. But in other industries, I hear that complaint of like, well, now we just have these kids graduating or mm-hmm. adults graduating and their internship was super short and they're like CVs don't really look like they have anything under their belt. So they're like, they're not really prepared and mm-hmm. that's not helpful at all. Yeah. So I think it really does prepare them better for the world because they're sort of, and if they're not passionate, if they decide halfway through, like, oh, I'm not into this, you can go, but you'll, you can always continue your education. And then once you decide, like, you can change your education, you can, you can take a year off and go back to school. Like, there's programs and assistance and financial aid and all kinds of all kinds of support for people to continue their education so that they can continue to be a part of society, like a constructive part of society. (laughs) Yeah, that's nice. I was going to say, it sounds like there's the, there's so many aspects of support. There's like the family structure, Mm -hmm. the parental support, financial support coming from different places. The, it sounds like the ideologies too of like, oh, hey, you're interested in this craft. Okay, let's pursue that. Like go to that trade school and Mm -hmm. great, go for it. That's, I think, not the same in the States. Like the idea of like, "Mm, you have to go to a trade school. It's not as good as college or university. There is a very bad stigma with trade schools. 
in the states. In the states, yeah. Yeah, That's versus in Sweden. Me. Yeah, I yeah. mean, there's there's still stigmas and stuff. It's not the land of milk and honey, but it's it's right. a lot better in a lot of ways. But it's yeah, I was say it sounds like it's more accepted or like, oh, this is there's more opportunities and encouragement. Yeah, they do if have that's a society of it. That's neat. That's really yeah. neat. In terms of kind of some compare and contrast, uh, I'm also curious because of your very broad and eclectic range of teaching experience, uh, do you have like a preference in terms of like a classroom or like workshops and maybe even getting into just your background of the different kinds of settings you've taught mm-hmm. it if you wanted to like to kind of help that compare and contrast <laughs> sure. yeah I was like there's so I much know. I know for you to choose from so like I don't know sorry, where you want to go with that <laughs> no I love it I'm like oh can we just do like we'll do sequels to this episode <laughs> super we can put roll it up I did decide this year I was gonna try and write a book before I turned 40 in a couple of years so we'll just oh my gosh and I mean, you basically have, like, I love, I love, but also was like, how did Kat not put that you've published that illustration? You've already have published a book. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you're selling yourself so short. I was like, it's not even in your bio. What? Like, you've already done that. This one's just going to be written, not pictures. This one's going to be a biography. Okay. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I did. I published a book. (laughs) Yeah, that's huge. It's so huge. huge. I worked really hard on it for a long time. Yeah, and now okay. So, and I saw too the blog that you have is that kind of yeah. Like, I decided with your travels to bring it with the blog and try and try that to see if I liked writing. And I think because I always I joke around a lot, and that kind of goes in with my diverse like uh, teaching experiences. I mean, I've done everything from teaching at summer camps and in the independent programs and college level, and then substitute teaching and teaching teaching and private lessons and everything in between and and in everything I've done art and classroom teaching I've done uh like academic teaching for a little bit and then uh like teaching how to ride horses and teaching like everything sort of rocks itself it's all the same (laughs) yeah yeah and I hate how when you said teaching teaching like I knew what you meant where I'm like oh like having to have a license or like yeah you're in the go through all the hoops yeah, yeah. I'm like it is <laughs> yeah but I'm like any type of workshop camp like anything that is that like passing on to the learner mm-hmm. like it's all teaching exactly. it's all valid do you have a preference like when you're finding a job in Sweden would you be more apt to be like oh yeah I want to be back in the classroom or like I really want to do workshops or like how does that look mm. for you in the next couple of years, do you think? Mm. I would really rather go back to teaching workshops. I love working one-on-one and helping people find that voice and, like, believing in themselves. I get so sick of it when people are like, well, I just can't draw as good as you. I'm like, do you know how much work I'm into this? Yes. Like, good Lord, just give yourself a break. So, I don't know. I think, ideally, I would like to run, like... I used to run workshops out of my house here in Kansas years ago, before years and years ago, well before COVID oh. and all that. But I, was like, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was kind of just like a, it was like a Monday night, and so everybody would come by on Monday nights and bring whatever they were working on, and we would have a barbecue or cook, and I would make dinner, and people would just come and get help on whatever it was they were making, whether it was like painting and drawing or making shoes or making like everything we did everything Mm -hmm. at that house I had just enough tools to make whatever it was (laughs) that's actually what you're doing is you're running like an artist I don't know if we should promote that like an artist (laughs) 
but, or but like a maker space. <laughs> yeah, a maker space, but you have to leave at nine o'clock. It was. Maybe that's it was more a appropriate. Space before maker spaces went commercial. Like before, it was yeah, like that's you can awesome. rent space here. So it was a maker space, and so I'd like to go back to kind of running a. A, a polite version of that like i think well <laughs> egos get in the way and then people think they own things that they didn't pay for and oh it okay. just it, people get weird about space so i'd rather just like run workshops and like or open house nights and, and just kind of keep it that way but the come and go as you like gets you have to be careful yeah and so you could see yourself in the future possibly bringing that back into yeah, your life sure. in Sweden yeah yeah I really really liked it and I've noticed a lot too that my like I do fine and I'm but the, I'm not kidding when I say find one thing and stick to it because it's hard to market <laughs> yeah well, I, well and I laugh because I'm like I don't know how you pick I feel very similarly and I feel like your database of art making is like even more grand yeah. than mine <laughs> And you're so talented at all the things you do. Oh, and you. I'm just like, I don't know how you decide. <laughs> decide what you're making that day. Yeah. It is. It's that day. I get on a kick and I'm like, I'm going to be a painter for six months. And it's just like, well, there, there that happened. And now I'm going to do something else. But I mean, that's why I forget I wrote a book. You know, it's just... <laughs> just forgot. I just forget. I just forgot. I just do the thing and then it's over. It's, <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. And you get used to the hustle and then you just... You, you pick a target and you work really hard and you make it happen. And then you're like, great, on to the next thing. Let's do it. You know, and that's kind of what landed me in Sweden. So, <laughs> yeah, great, let's it, do yeah, it. I got you that far. So, I mean, they, that whole thing, they, they offered me the job in May and I was there teaching August 1st. So <laughs> it's a fast turnover. It was fast. It was very fast. Yeah. Paperwork what, doesn't what? usually happen that fast. That's where their lawyers mm -hmm. come in. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, that's so fast, like, moving-wise, but that was going to be my other thing that was, like, yeah. spinning in my brain is, like, the processing of just all the in and outs of approval and making sure you're, like, good to go. Like, that was not my experience of transferring my license. Like, it was a long, yeah. no, arduous that's, process. That's where it was a, good that it was a, a, an international school, so. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> anyway, wow. I got us off track. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, I don't even know where. Oh, I did have another question. Speaking of all the things, because I haven't seen anything in a while since you've been. I did. I took a with break. Metal and leather. Yeah. Have you done any like when I say textiles, like your costuming or like creating wardrobes for people in a mm -hmm. while? Yeah. Yeah, I've been, I I kind of stepped back. I work on commission, but it's kind of high end commission, so I don't usually public publicize mm. that. I mean, not that they would be not want to share necessarily but um it's like exclusive it is it's kind of exclusive yeah. and i work a long time on one project and in the in, in in the age of tiktok and instagram it's not i can't post twice yeah. a day about hey i made progress on 12 inches of seam here <laughs> yeah. yeah i flat filled well, all the seams today it's gorgeous <laughs> Now there is like a little trend saying like show in real time like how I did see your actual process looks that. and I'm like how long is this gonna last like I wish people were gonna be interested in this for a while yeah. but I don't think so I think so. enough artists just got mad about it that they were like ouch <laughs> yeah 
do you have people do you think in sweden or i guess are you, when you take commissions will you take internationally still yeah, yeah. or is there a pretty big community that would want that in sweden both i have yeah, yeah i have clients in both uh currently actually so it's just a slow and steady progress um mm. i it depends on the client too they can choose to work with me on my travel schedule or they can pay for a travel i mean i'm always available for for traveling for projects or talks or teaching or whatever it is you know people are interested in but then that's on them to schedule out so gotcha that's where things can take a little bit you know i work with you know one client over the course of six months sometimes a year sometimes two if they want more than just one thing so yeah and then managing that on top of teaching like teaching gigs workshops things like that like Lists. how do you stay, i was gonna say how do you stay sane you read my mind we're on the lists. same page making lists of lists <laughs> yeah the list of like i need to check this list oh wait yeah. add to this then work on this yeah. bodice yeah Done. My, my sketchbook is like it looks uh, it's halfway towards a web web developers mapping you know how they have like the header and then like these are the subcategories and these are the things that have to happen here and there's a resource file over here for this project <laughs> yeah so yeah definitely and utilizing easy to consume tools like pinterest you know you can just make a file and it has all their it's easy because it's like it's something they can access and share. And so like I can get with a client and be like, you know what? I can't read your mind. Just put a bunch of pictures of what you think this should look like in this Pinterest board. And and yeah. then I will look at it. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll reconfigure. Yeah. And Google, of course, with all the you know, or teams or whatever, whatever platform they're used to. It's you can but use those tools and then having one consolidated calendar. Yeah. So I literally will like, um, on most Mon, well, it used to be Mondays, but I pick one day a week, and I'll just like stay, either put my headphones on or go to the coffee shop or just spend some quiet time and just literally Monday. What does it look like? And then yeah. dash. This is everything that has to happen to make that happen. Okay, do I have time to do anything Tuesday, or is this Monday and Tuesday now? Like, I just schedule myself out. And sometimes it's months and weeks at a time. Like I've done whole months that way, just literally writing out like, and then reorganizing and saying, well, this isn't going to work because whatever. (laughs) Yeah. I just feel that way about emails as a teacher that I don't love sucking up my time or like structuring curriculum. And so I'm like, Mm -hmm. I just want to get rid of that so I can spend time organizing that realm. yeah like that sounds nice yeah well and i definitely like emails are great until there's too many words and then i'm like i don't care just what yeah. do you want get to the point. <laughs> yeah <laughs> or sales you know they're like oh i like this but and i'm like i don't care this is the price buy it or don't like i'm not yeah i'm not haggling with you i don't charge enough as it is <laughs> yeah this is not a it's not an open market no. this takes time to make yeah But staying organized definitely helps me stay ahead of everything. And I think that's what helps me talk to other artists, too, because I have that diverse background and I managed to pull it off. So it's like, okay, well, this is how I do it. It may or may not work for you, but what tools can you use or what do you like to use? So that's always my constant struggle is having art friends that I love. And I'm just like, want to strangle them because it's like, just 
just just make a list and you'll be organized and then you can do all of the things <laughs> it sounds like there's a cat workshop on the horizon for managing your time as an artist there you go i think this is it i honestly think people would pay for that i let's make it happen <laughs> i really think so or like launching things that's yeah 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 networking and managing managing it all for sure networking is the other one i always have to get after people it's like just be nice it's amazing what just being nice will do and you say oh yes please and they're like oh you're so nice and then you get to talking and the next thing you know they actually own the gallery in downtown and you have a show yeah it's the midwestern roots coming out <laughs> it is it's it a goes bit, a long it's a way. bit of the midwest but <laughs> it pays off in the end yeah, I was like, did it work in Sweden? Or because I've heard that like culturally, of of course, every country has their own like cultural norms mm. and things. But how was that in Sweden? Like, were you was it a, like, oh, I'm I'm very like apparently standing out, or like, <laughs> how was that adjustment? Uh, it's not hard for me. As much as I like people and like to just talk like this, I'm very happy with my headphones in my own world doing my thing. So that is a thing. Like, you don't just like strike up a conversation with some stranger on the train they respect like your space very much so they're not unfriendly they're just more private gotcha yeah, yeah. interesting mm. well in wrapping up are there any tips that you would give to anyone specifically for teaching abroad because mm. we got into like some tips already for like managing being a teacher and being an artist and oh all yeah of that so <laughs> just specifically teaching abroad it's not for everybody. Like, you got to be real honest with yourself before you sign up, sign that contract, buy into the idea. Like, it's hard. It's hard to be away from family. It's hard to be away from friends. It's hard to not know the language. <laughs> like, yep. you have to, It's we have to remember what it was like to be in school. Like, how tired were you at the end of the day from trying to learn all the time? So now you're trying to learn and teach all day, all the time, because the kids are like half speaking English and half speaking whatever language they don't really get it. And then you have to like try to figure out different ways to communicate. And then you're trying to make sure like going to the grocery store, you're like, I just want to find blah, whatever it is. <laughs> How, what's, what's the word for milk? Like, <laughs> Yeah. I didn't even think about yeah. that. Or it's like, at least in the same state, I'm like, oh, I can find the milk. I can find the blueberries. So like, fine, I know how to read the sections. It's fine, but it takes a minute to, like, get intuitive. Like, like obviously, a lot of things like milk and blueberries are going to be okay to find. But, like, yeah, if you just need baking powder, like, okay, I found the baking aisle. <laughs> yeah, it's that extra processing mm -hmm. that people don't think about of, like, oh, this is my usual, this is not my exactly. usual norm. And not I am literally so far away from mm -hmm. that. That just gets added to your plate. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't necessarily recommend that you're super fluent in the language of the country you're trying to go to. Although it does help to have a background in the language. Like I'd at least looked at Swedish before I headed over having traveled there a few mm. times. And so, you know, spending the year there, I learned quite a bit and, and I can get in the, I have enough to get in trouble, but I still don't speak the language because, you know, then you're teaching in English. So you're not practicing your language skills. Yeah. So I wouldn't suggest teaching abroad as a way to improve your language skills unless it's 
teaching in that language and like you're pretty confident in it already yeah like you have a certain proficiency Mm -hmm. what would you recommend teaching abroad for like what are some of the things that you gained from the experience oh I think anything you're passionate about like there's lots of opportunities to teach like obviously art for us but you know even even PE like gym yeah like everybody plays dodgeball (laughs) there's different requirements in different schools for different stuff but yeah I think anything you're passionate about makes it that much easier to kind of bridge the gap of being tired like you know as artists we tend to just keep going like oh it's 2 a.m how it whoops like you just keep going and so if you're already passionate about your craft even though it's hard to talk about, you know, it's easy because you want to. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why for me, textile, since I kept going back to it as an artist myself, teaching textiles was going to be okay. Cause at the end of the day, I come home and sewing is therapy. And like, even teaching all day, I would go home and like work on my own projects still. That was, I was like, we said we were going to wrap it up. And then I'm like, oh, wait, all of this. Do you feel like your experience in Sweden and going through that with all of those students did make you think about your own work differently or your own projects Mm -hmm. differently? Yeah. Yeah. I think it really solidified all those things that I've always felt passionate about and like got on a soapbox for where it's just like, this, why? You know, yeah, like, it's important. Why aren't you, like, seeing exactly. that? Exactly. So, you know, the basic skill sets and stuff and seeing how important that was and how hungry the kids are for that. And, like, it is it is international. It's not just the American school system. It's, you know, people need art. People need creativity. They need those experiences. And, like, going to teach somewhere else where... And the kids are the purest form of that because, like, you know, the kids are the ones that come to school because their parents have told them, how oh, art's stupid. You're like, yeah, mm-hmm. eye roll, 100 eye rolls. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, parents. <laughs> but we get to change their Back minds. Yes. Yeah. So. Well, thank you so much for doing this interview. Yeah, thank you. I love listening to you guys. You cover a lot of cool stuff. Well, thank you. Yes. It's super great to learn more from other educators and artists. So can't thank you enough for doing this for the podcast for sure and uh we'll be sure to stay in touch and um i am gonna try and be better about posting when i'm back this time so i was gonna say actually we are gonna drop your website in the description below are there any other like handles or things you want to plug live for people to go to right now as they're listening no i think pretty much everything is cat ramsey art uh, I think my website's catramsey.com right now. I dropped the art one um, just because portfolios changed and everything. So the website will be below and then Cat Ramsey Art will find you almost everything else. And like I said, awesome. I've kind of taken a bit of a break to figure things out, you know, taking talking to those kids. So new things are coming and new processes are coming and I'm very excited. There's a good chance you're going to see a lot more ceramics again. oh i'm so excited about that oh i'm so excited oh my gosh i was gonna say your website is 
delightful to look through so people have plenty of things like while you've got stuff in the works to get them excited for your new things but oh my gosh I can't wait awesome thanks so much yeah thank you so I guess uh talk to you at the meet kit and hey do <laughs> that means farewell thanks so much and hey see you later <laughs> oh well thank you and you as well <laughs> Well, hopefully you enjoyed that interview with Kat just as much as I did. It was really neat to hear about her experiences teaching in Sweden and also just her perspective because she has traveled abroad so much and frequently and also how she manages her own artwork and commissions while she's juggling all of this because I can't stress it enough, people. She really is making artwork in so many various mediums and keeping up with that. So it's very impressive. Uh, I will link her website in the description below so you can check out her website and her work and also read about her travel journeys as she's visiting Sweden and also moving back to Sweden. And I will also link her illustrated book that she had published as well in addition to her Instagram handle. So you can find all of her travels, her artwork, and keep up with what's going on with Kat Ramsey. In light of this episode being all about travel, today's sponsor is a coffee sleeve. They sound silly. I highly recommend that you use a coffee sleeve because you could be the person that spills coffee or hot tea all over your legs right before your plane ride and have to sit for three hours with your legs burning. And it ends up being a second degree burn because you chose not to get a coffee sleeve to protect your hand and adjusted your tea. And then whoops, went the lid and the tea spills all over your legs. Coffee sleeves. They seem kind of silly, but they really are worth it. All right, y'all. If you haven't gathered in Kat and I's interview, it was truly a Midwestern goodbye. Kind of the norm of this podcast flow. Uh, So thank you to our sponsor today and thanks for listening to this episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. You'll hear from these art teachers next time. Bye, not bye.